In, in the past year, I have met more people than I ever have before who've made the intentional decision to remove themselves completely from internet ca and uh, cable-based news. <laughs> or as it's better known, the outrage, scandal, tragedy algorithm machine designed to keep you slightly paranoid and anxious so that you will keep returning to it over and over again. So is, is, is that a fair assessment or, or am I being a little bit too cynical? <laughs> well, let me ask you this. If you are a consumer of this kind of news, how much time do you spend alone on your phone doom scrolling through your news or social media apps? And is that making you a better person or bringing joy to your life? Does that activity leave you feeling good about yourself, others, and the world? If you're not sure about this, or if you're like, oh, come on, Chad, I'm fine. You are making a bigger deal out of this than you need to. Okay, well, let's do a little experiment, shall we? You can try this with others to see uh, what happens if, if you want. Um, it, it is quite fascinating. Here's what you do. You, you go up to someone and in the most enthusiastic voice you can muster, like you are going to say something amazing, uh, go, go and, and say these words. Aren't you so excited for the 2024 election and all the news coverage that's gonna come? Say that like it's the coolest thing ever. Now, I don't care what your political affiliation is, just say that and see what people do. Now, I know a number of you on both sides of the political aisle just threw up a little bit in your mouths. Um, a little, a little, and, and the reason for that is that um, there are so many people who are just exhausted and worn down with politics in America. But it doesn't just stop with politics. Many of you have been sending me newspaper cutouts and emails from different news sources this last week about uh, Pew Research, about their latest findings that now 28% of all adults in the US identify as nothing in particular or nuns when it comes to their religious affiliation. And if you look deeper as to why that's the case, you find that many people are just tired and worn down with religious organizations. Through conversations with my wife, I know that there are a lot of educators who are tired and worn down by the challenges of school systems and parents. If you are a caregiver for a spouse, I know that can be emotionally tiring and wear you down. If you are in the same time of life as I am, it can be fun being busy with work, kids, and family until your schedule gets so out of balance that you just get tired and worn down. Six days later, Jesus took with him Peter and James and his brother John and led them up a high mountain by themselves. And he was transfigured before them, and his face shone like the sun, and his clothes became dazzling white. Suddenly there appeared to them Moses and Elijah, talking with him. Then Peter said to Jesus, Lord, it is good for us to be here. If you wish, I will make three dwellings here, one for you, one for Moses, one for Elijah. While he was still speaking, suddenly a bright cloud overshadowed them, and from the cloud a voice said, This is my son, the beloved, with him I am well pleased. Listen to him. 
When the disciples heard this, they fell to the ground and were overcome by fear. But Jesus came and touched them, saying, Get up and do not be afraid. And when they looked up, they saw no one except Jesus himself alone. Do you have a happy place? Do you know what I mean when I say that? It's the place that you go or it's the activity that you do that just makes you feel good. Where you don't have to worry about anything, even if it's for a moment. So normally this place is, um, well, normally, sorry, this is a place or an activity where stress and worry can't get you. And in that way, it's a beautiful and it's a wonderful place. For some people, their happy place is baking something really good but really bad for you. Or it's spending the afternoon reading, or it's binge watching some new series that you came across, or I don't know, it's going to your parents' house or visiting grandkids. Maybe another way of asking this is, what's your coping mechanism when life becomes less than good? Now, I do want you to think about this because part of being human is having a desire and a need to get away from the stress and unpleasantness of life. That that's, in fact, that's what we just heard in our gospel reading today. So to, to recap, once upon a time, Jesus took his disciples on a getaway to be removed from life. They went up a mountain to be by themselves, and while they were there, Jesus was transfigured. Or another way of, of saying that is that Jesus' disciples had an experience of the divine, of God's presence. Also, while there, they experienced in some way, shape, or form Moses and Elijah, two central figures in the Jewish faith, one being the giver of the law and the other one of the great prophets. So it's like seeing your heroes. In this odd event, the disciples experienced fear, but then a sense of peace and joy. So much so that they ask if they can build shelters to stay right where they are for as long as they possibly can. Because that is what you do when you're in your happy place. You will do anything possible to stay there as long as you can. The reason I ask you to think about your coping mechanisms or your happy place is that many people struggle with how to cope with change, loss, and stress. People are tired, the kind of tired that you can sense deep in your body and soul. So if you get a chance to escape that, even if it's for a moment, to go to your happy place, you want to stay there as long as you possibly can. Avoidance is a coping mechanism, and people are trying hard to do just that. If I don't watch the news, and if I spend a bit more time sleeping, or reading, or baking, or working out, or buying stuff I don't really need, or, well, I suppose I can go to the darker side. If I drink more and find the right drug, I don't have to feel bad, and I don't have to feel so stressed and anxious. I mean, I get why the disciples want to stay on the mountain. Not only is it a good place up there with the powerful Jesus and the presence of God, but anything, I mean, anything is better than what's down the mountain. The reality of life, poverty, the Roman oppression, hunger, death, suffering of the community. And so no wonder they say, Rabbi, it's good for us to be here. Let's make dwellings, tents, homes. Let's stay here a while. Instead of going to work this week, can't I just lay on the couch and watch movies that make me feel nostalgic? <laughs>
at home, um, we have a, well, it's called the Google Home. I think many of you know what that is. It's a smart speaker with a screen on it. We have it set when not in use to be a digital picture frame. So I catch myself spending more than just a few minutes staring at the pictures as they scroll by before going to work. They are, um, there are family pictures. So they're great memories of the past. I need that. It's fun to visit and live in the past for a bit. But as my routine goes every day, eventually, I go into the garage, get in the car, head out into the world. You can't stay in the past forever. You can't stay in your happy place forever. You can't avoid life forever. Immediately following this amazing experience and request to build shelters, Jesus tells his disciples that they can't stay. They go down the mountain, back into reality, back into life, back into Roman oppression, a world where the majority are poor and suffering. They go back down the mountain, which will set Jesus on the road to Jerusalem and to the cross. This gospel story reminds us of how important it is to take time to breathe, to pray, to get away, to pay attention to God, to do the things that you need to do to recharge. This gospel story shows us how tempting it is to stay in those places that are immune from the stress and anxiety of life. This gospel story tells us that Jesus does not stay on the mountain and neither can you. God is not going to be removed from the realities of our world and our life. The story of our faith is not a story of how to escape the world as is sometimes presented, but instead it is the opposite of that. It's an invitation and a call to live more fully engaged with our world. It's an invitation into God's kingdom right where we find ourselves. Over the generations, the followers of Jesus have always been called to meet and embrace people right in the joys and the messiness of life. So do what you need to do to get away, to cope, to listen, to pray, to be still. Find that time in your life. Make that time in your life. But know this, when you come back to your life, to a world that is still facing huge challenges, political divisiveness, broken relationships, climate change, and culture shifts, when you come back down into the stress and anxiety and all the joys that are also here as well, Christ is present. We have an opportunity each and every day to encounter our neighbors, to be Christ for another, to practice the way of God through compassion, mercy, and grace, to enter the lives of others, and what we come to know is that although the mountain is good, Jesus will be found right where you are, right now, just as you are, to give hope and new life and calling us to do the same for others. This is the good news that we hear today. Thanks be to God for that. Amen. As a way of helping you take this story deeper into your personal lives, a couple of reflection questions for you to think about, talk with a partner about, journal about, however you can use them to your benefit. So question number one, where do you go or what do you do to get away or take a break?
Seriously, what, what, what's your thing? What do you do? And number two, how can you be more fully engaged with your family, community, and the world to make a positive impact?